0: Well, good morning. We're so glad that we can come to you and open up God's Word together. And if you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel 21. And we're going to look at the first 10 verses of this chapter. Now, you may think this is an odd chapter for me to pick, and it is. But God has really used it in my life in these last few months. Um, I've, uh, I've really needed... Uh, this word from God, and I hope that um, I'll be able to communicate it adequately and and uh, in such a way that it'll encourage you too. But I, I just wanted to tell you that this is a testimony uh, of mine um, at how God has reached me and my heart and my need uh, through His Word. As we as we come to this text, I just want you to know. The character of God, and to see him in this text where he isn't even mentioned and he doesn't even seem to appear, but I want you to know him as he has revealed himself through his word because he is true to his name, he's true to his character, he is trustworthy. David said in Psalm 9, he said, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in the times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you for you O Lord have not forsaken those who seek you. Did you hear that? For those who know your name. David is challenging us to come and know the name of God, to know him as he is. So, let's turn, let's look at the text this morning. 1st so, Samuel 21, verse 1. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, What do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread. For there was no bread there, but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg, the Edomite the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will, take that. And take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. In verse 10, and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. We're going to look at this a little more closely. It's maybe a familiar story, uh, narrative to you. But right before it is even a more familiar narrative. When we come to this, then David, what has happened? What has happened here that is so important that has caused David to run to the city of the priest, Nob, and to ask for bread? Well, something very, very devastating has happened to David. David has been a man who from a little boy has been chosen by God and anointed to be king. He was hired by King Saul to be the healing musician when Saul was encountering troubled spirits from the Lord. Chapter 17 tells us that David was the one man who had faith in all of Israel to stand against the giant Goliath and slay him. Chapter 18 tells us that he was the friend of the prince. He and Jonathan swore allegiance to one another, a covenant of love, of a covenant of loyalty. And not only that. By this time Saul had begun to hate David. Because the women now sang when the army paraded in, through the streets upon returning home. Saul has slain his thousands but David his ten thousands. And Saul... Learned that his daughter liked David. And so he he schemed to have David killed by offering his daughter to David for a dowry of a hundred dead Philistines. Well, guess we know the story, right? David went out and he brought home. 200 dead Philistines. The proof of uh, that he killed 200 Philistines. And Saul was obligated to give David his daughter. But he became the son-in-law of the king. From a pauper, from a poor shepherd boy, now to son-in-law. But that was... The beginning of many attempts of Saul upon David's life. And, and it doesn't, the, the text doesn't tell us that David um, saw, qu- even questioned the many attacks that Saul made upon him. But it became clearer and clearer and clearer that Saul was out for his life. And so he became the target of the king's envy and the tip of his spear. And David tried to convince Jonathan, the prince, that Saul was out to kill him. And Jonathan would have none of it. He did not believe it. And you remember the story in chapter 20 of how David said, I am not going to come to dinner for three days. And if the king asks where I am, Jonathan, tell him I've returned to my father's house. And you will see if he is angry at me and wants to kill me, or if he will excuse my absence. And of course, the first day, Saul didn't care that David wasn't there. He thought maybe David was unclean and and. Needed to, be, needed to remove himself. But then upon the third day that David wasn't seated at the table, King Saul came unglued and threatened David's life. And Jonathan, he cried out to his father. He appealed to his father saying, Father, why? This is a man who has shown nothing but loyalty to the kingdom, to You. And Saul turned his anger upon his own son and hurled his spear at Jonathan. And so Jonathan arranged, pre, had prearranged with David to give him a warning whether it was safe to return or whether he needed to become a fugitive. And of course, he alerted David to the sad truth that indeed Saul was out to kill him. So here's David. He has all these credits, right? All these blessings that God has bestowed on him. And they seem to be account for nothing. Have you ever felt that way? Like, you have tenure. You have shown your loyalty. You have shown your... Um, and you deserve something in return. <laughs> Isn't that where we tend to go? I don't think David necessarily show, has that, um, that that appears in this text, but I know I'm just, in my own heart, that's where I have gone. And that's a bad place to be because we discount grace when we do that you realize that? When we say, I deserve, I'm entitled to, because of my efforts, because of what I have put in, it's a dangerous place to be. Because we begin to count our works, our efforts, as something meritorious. Well, here was David. He, he was a fugitive. He had to run for his life. He now knew, for without a doubt, and with the testimony of his best friend Jonathan, that Saul was after his life. And he happened to come to Ahimelech, the priest in the city of the priests there at Nob. Now apparently the tabernacle was established here at Nob at this point. And David came to this priest. But the priest... See his reaction? Isn't this strange? He's trembling as David comes up to him. He knows David... Is a warrior and a prince in Saul's army. And yet he's alone. And he questions David, Why are you alone and no one with you? Did you notice David's response? The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, "Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you, and with which I have charged you." And I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. That's why no one's with me. What is this? It's a lie. King Saul hasn't charged him with an with an a mission. He is on the run from King Saul. And yet David here resorts to a lie. We don't know why. This narrative doesn't tell us why. Just that David in this place of running from Saul for his life and maybe upon seeing the trembling of the priest in front of him Resorts to a lie. David is a deceiver and a liar. Does that surprise us? <laughs> Many times we try to make excuses for our heroes in the in the scriptures, don't we? <laughs> we try to justify their their actions. But let's not forget that the Scriptures tell us of these men the way they really were. And this is one of the great truths, the great evidences, the the great um, unspoken evidences of the truth of Scripture is that it paints people as they really are. And in doing so, it also magnifies the holiness of God in all his attributes. So here's David. He's a liar, we've discovered. He's afraid, likely. He's running, factually, from Saul and the threat that Saul has on his life. Next, I want you to look at the next character in this story, and that is the priest, Ahimelech. He's from Nob, the city of the priests. We already noticed that he was trembling when David came to him. And he was questioning, he was asking questions. Why are you alone? And I just put in a note here, he is the father of Abiathar. Now, this is important, and I want to just introduce it here. But it also leads us to who Ahimelech is. You know who Ahimelech is? He's a descendant of Eli from 1 Samuel chapter 1. He's a descendant of Hophni and Phinehas. And remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, God sent a message to Eli. Because of the blasphemous acts of Hophni and Phinehas in the tabernacle, and in the how they disregarded the worship of the people and their priestly duties, God said that He would that both of those men would die on the same day, and that this family would be wiped out, but for one priest. And one day he would come, and he would beg for money and for bread. Next, we come to, in verse 3, David's request of the priest. And David asks, Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. David, in his run from the, from the king, is suddenly realizing how desperate he is he likely hasn't eaten for 3 days as he's hidden out in the field waiting for word from jonathan and not and choosing not to sit at the king's table he's likely very hungry and he comes to the priest asking for bread isn't that stunning We've noticed that David is a sinner. That all of David's accomplishments were gifts from God and were done through his faith in God. None were through his own merit. And here he's reduced to a beggar. You know what? This is often a place, a good place where God brings us. And we don't like to be there, do we? We don't like to be in that place of having to beg, of being destitute, of knowing of being unsure of of and not knowing what is in our future, what is ahead for us but God delights in bringing us here because then our reliance turns from us and ourselves to Him. God shows us that in our sin we are guilty. That there is punishment due us. We deserve punishment. And so often we think we're entitled to something else because of our service or our loyalty or our time, our efforts. But we have punishment due us. And there's nothing that we can do that will undo our guilt. Nothing. There's no place to go but to God. And isn't that interesting? David runs to the city of the priests. To Ahimelech. I want to share this quote from Jonathan Edwards with you. They who truly come to God for mercy come as beggars and not as creditors. They come for mere mercy, for sovereign grace, and not for anything that is due. God wants us to come to him. He made a way to be forgiven, and that's through Jesus. Even for David, David could receive, David did receive salvation from God through his faith and belief in God. Jesus was God who became a man, lived a perfect life, died a propitiatory death to satisfy God's justice. God raised Him from the dead. He's the proof. That was the proof of our sins, that our sins are forgiven for all who believe God. All who trust in Jesus' substitution. So David comes to the priest and he says, I'm famished. I need something to eat. Do you have any bread? This this is striking. The priest answered David. He said, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women, and David answered the priest, truly women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. I want to address this. What is this holy bread? This holy bread, we sometimes call it the show bread or the bread of the presence. This was 12 loaves of bread that were to be baked every week. And here's the instructions in Leviticus 24. They were to be baked every week without yeast. They were to be put in piles, two piles of six on the table. The, sh- the table, the show- showbread table that was made of pure gold for the Lord. It would be in the holy place. And there they were p- to put frankincense on each pile. And th- that bread was to remain before the Lord for that whole week. And then on the Sabbath, a new batch of bread, twelve loaves would be brought in And replaced those twelve that had been there all week. And every Sabbath, it was the priest's job to display this bread. And then, it would be also a provision for the priest to eat after that. It was a portion for them. God's provision for the priest. And what does this mean? What is this bread all about? Well, this bread, I believe, is because of the 12 loaves and the tw- needs itself to be explained in the 12 tribes of Israel. God wanted to show his people and to be that they be actively participating in worship and that they be that they realized that they were holy people, a holy people, and that they were before Him always. He watched over them always. They were thus the bread of the presence. They were a symbol of God's holy people before Him at all times in His presence. And then practically... This bread became food for God's servants, the priests. Now this was meant just for the priests. Now what is this about Ahimelep asking if the young men have kept themselves from women? Well God in Leviticus 15 especially showed His people that they were perpetually unclean. They were born sinners. They were born sinners. And He he gave them the constant reminder that they were in need of cleansing. They were in need of cleansing from a source exterior to them. Often, He required bathing and for a period of time till evening. And sometimes, in some instances, there was the need for sacrificial offering to the priest. God taught His people that they were unholy because of the curse of sin. And yet He called them to be holy. So the priest is saying, I don't have common bread for you, David, but I have this holy bread. This holy bread that is meant for the priests and to be on display before God. Well, David's reply is that in verse 5b that the vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? David again resorts to lying to the priest. First, he fabricated a story as to why he was there. And now, he is trying to convince the priest, Ahimelech, to give him the bread that he is holy. And in so doing, he, he is displaying his unholiness, isn't he? How is it, Isn't it interesting that um, people often are so afraid to admit their sin and their guilt? It's fearful. What will others think of me? Right? Right? and yet it is so necessary to confess and to admit that we are unholy to receive the holiness that God has for us i want to remind you in 1st peter 2 because of the resurrection of jesus and all who put So, David tries to convince the priest that he is pure, even as he lies doing so. And Ahimelech gives him the holy bread. For there was no bread there, in verse 6, but the bread of the presence which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> the priest gave, made the decision to give a, to David the holy bread, which was unlawful, and yet he asked as a condition if David was pure, if he was holy. Why would he give David the bread? Why would he demand David's holiness? Well, the holiness of the tabernacle could not be violated as it was God's holiness. The bread was holy to be set before the face of God for a week, but then to be eaten as a provision for the priest. Ahimelech in good conscience and a proper knowledge and understanding of God and His law gave the bread to a clean, anointed, chosen man of God. And he did so... Showing mercy. Showing mercy. I want you to see and take away from this that God cares for you. Just as He cared for David. Here is David. He's at this place of desperation. He's a fugitive. He needs something to eat. He lies. What Because trying to explain why He's there. He lies about being pure. (laughs) And yet, what does God do through His representative, the priest? He shows mercy. I want you to know that God. I want you to know that God sees you where you are in your need And He's showing you mercy. Then verse 7 here is a stunning little insert into our text. The witness. And it's a reminder that the enemy has always sought for us to question the goodness of God and His benevolence. There are things that God sovereignly uses that we cannot understand as good and we, have to, and we have to confess. God actually uses to expose real evil that cries out for His perfect justice. Now, Doe, now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, His name was Doeg, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. David sees Doeg. He recognized him as a servant of Saul. And I think as the priest is gathering up the holy bread to give to David, I think David is suddenly struck anew with fear. And so David in verse 8, he says, Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Makes you wonder, is he going to run over and take care of this doe egg? No, sadly, he reveals more of his ruse. He lies some more. I was in such a hurry, I didn't have time to grab my sword or my spear. But look how God provides. Again, mercifully, not the way David deserves, but out of God's goodness in the face of this fear, in the face of this threat. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. And then verse 10. David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now this is one of the most puzzling verses in the Bible. Because David, the killer of Philistines, is running from King Saul and he runs straight to the Philistines. To the city of Gath. I want to move over to this terrible, this witness, the terrible opposition that this witness brought, Doeg. Doeg went and told King Saul that the priest, Ahimelech, had helped David. And over in 1 Samuel twenty-two sixteen, 16, the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And in 18, verse 18. 1 Samuel 22:18 He orders Doeg to slaughter the priests and Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod and Nob the city of the priests he put to sword both man and woman child and infant ox donkey and sheep he put to the sword And then verse 20, But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitob, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And verse 22 and 23, And David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safekeeping. You know, God used this troublesome time in David's life to, where David wrote some amazing psalms. He wrote Psalm 34 when he went down to the king of Gath. The Philistine city. He wrote Psalm 56 when he was seized by the Philistines at Gath. He wrote Psalm 142 in the cave. And then I want to share with you, he wrote Psalm 52 when Abiathar escaped Doeg's sword and ran to David for refuge. And David grieved because he had brought the death of the priests upon them. but Listen to what David writes. Why do you boast of evil, mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right, Selah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch you and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living, Selah. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See, the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction? but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank You forever because You have done it. I will wait for Your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. Just in closing, I want to share with you how this story is clarified even more in the book of Matthew, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to call this the Lord of the Sabbath. In Matthew, we read about how the disciples were on the Sabbath day, were with Jesus, and they were walking along, and they were hungry, and they grabbed some gr- kernels of grain, and they rubbed them, rubbed the chaff off, and they ate them. And the the Pharisees were there, and looking at them, and the Pharisees became unglued. They said, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus said this. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Jesus is saying, the priests work on the Sabbath, guys. That's the job God has given them and you don't question them. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And in the book of Mark, this statement is added in here. And He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus came To remind us that we cannot do or undo or do anything to gain us merit with God. He did it. He did it. God came as a man. The Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. And then He willingly in obedience to the Father, laid down His life on the cross. Not as a martyr, but to satisfy God's wrath, God's justice. Remember those priests that were killed by Doeg? That was a sad thing, wasn't it? But it was also what God said would happen to this family. It is what we all deserve. We all deserve death because we are sinners. We are guilty. But Jesus took our guilt, took our place because God is just. He cannot just say, I forgive you and the the price not be paid. Jesus took the price, paid the price, and He said on the cross, it is finished. Do you know what Sabbath means? It means to cease. To cease. To stop. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He did the work we can't do to give us forgiveness of sins and peace with Him. What is our response this morning? First of all, we are unworthy beggars like David, and we need grace. We also, are, we who are believers and have trusted in Jesus, are chosen. We are anointed by God, as David was. We're chosen by God to be His children. God sees us and is our bountiful provider. And God has given us Himself to give us power to obey, to give us rest from our works that we can't achieve righteousness with Him except by trusting in His finished work And he has come to give us true peace. Good Shepherd Community Church, I just want to pray this prayer for you from 1 Peter 5 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.